1: Welcome to this episode of Tea with Twiggy. It's great to have you here. This is a podcast where I catch up with friends and people that I find fascinating. I check that they're doing okay and ask for tips to help us stay at home more comfortable. My guest this week is Linda LaPlante. She's written over 30 novels, 170 hours of television, things like Prime Suspect and Widows, and her new novel, Buried, has just been published. She's also a dear friend and one of the funniest ladies I know. Linda, hi. Hello, my darling. Thank you for joining me in our virtual cup of tea. What what tea have you got? I've got uh, an English breakfast tea with lemon and honey.
0: Oh, I've got um, a ginger and lemon. Ooh, love! Oh, I like those. They're lovely, very, very nice. Are you a tea drinker? No, you're not. I'm not really either a heavy coffee drinker or tea. Wine, yes. Gin and tonic. Wine, I say. Is your t- is your tipple a bit stronger? <laughs> gin and tonic. I, and also, you know what's funny is that when well, because people know I like gin, I can't tell you. I've got like a brewery downstairs. <laughs>
1: Well, isn't it weird? What happened? Suddenly gin has become... Everywhere you go, there's a gin fest.
0: I know, but it's also... I mean, everybody, oh, I know what she wants. Give her a gin. Oh, that's so so, funny.
1: I only ever tasted gin once, and I thought it tasted like perfume. I didn't like it.
0: (laughs) There is one gin made of violets that actually tastes like paint stripper. Oh, gosh, that's horrible. But I do, I have a variety. and do
1: you... I even have a rhubarb and ginger. Well that sounds interesting. Yes. lovely. And how do you take over ice or with tonic or what?
0: Tonic. Uh any you know, tonic mostly. Fever tree.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's good. Cool. That's a, they'll be pleased. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you've had a brilliant week this week, haven't you? Even though we're in lockdown, your new book came out, buried. Yeah. Oh, exciting. It's, um, you know, there were so many
0: events and signings organised. It's hard for the charity ones to miss out. It is. And so, uh, you know, and one compensates for that. But um, no, I'm doing down the line, up the line, you name <laughs> it. I'm doing it to promote it.
1: Can you tell us a little bit? You very sweetly sent me one yesterday. I was going to go online and get one, and one arrived on a bike. But So I can't wait. I'm just going to finish the book I'm reading. I've got about 20 pages to go, and then I'm on to Buried. I can't wait because I'm a huge fan of your books. Buried is uh, a very – I love
0: it because, um, you know – sort of ghost brings in a few characters that were in widows oh great but um i'm introducing a new detective a very young guy who's called jack war dc jack war
1: uh-huh.
0: he's not a frightfully good detective <laughs> he hasn't got he hasn't got what you call the light on um <laughs> he hasn't got much ambition but then something happens a terrible fire a body is found in this fire but more than that, he's in the fire grate at this little cottage in the country are thousands and hundreds and thousands of charred £5 and £10 notes. Ooh. And so that draws him into a hunt, not only for where that money came from, why it is there, but it's also a hunt into his own private life that leads him into very dangerous areas. Oh,
1: I can't. Oh, my mouth is watering. I can't wait to start reading it. (laughs) Are you pleased with it? Yeah, I love it. Oh, good.
0: Because in reality, you know, you're only ever judged in many instances
1: by your last book. Oh, surely not with you. You've written so many amazing, all the cold books you wrote, you know, the cold shoulder, cold blood. They were
0: brilliant. Yeah. But I mean, as far as I'm concerned, everyone has got to top the last one. It has to either you can so you can't just say oh, it's got to be good. You've got to say uh, it's got to be better.
1: Really? Yeah, and i you must have such a huge fan club all around the world. I mean, you must do. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. What was
0: amazing was that widows, the old TV series about the women, you know. Yeah. Uh, It was quite astonishing because Steve McQueen, not the one on the motorbike.
1: I'll tell you a little story afterwards about the the Steve McQueen on the motorbike. But go on. The Steve McQueen uh, director.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and I was actually at Buckingham Palace. (laughs) What were you doing at Buckingham Palace, darling? Well, to begin with, I, I couldn't understand why I was invited. I I kept getting these invitations and you get all different stripes on them. I actually thought, well, maybe I've done something and they want my CBE back. I couldn't (laughs) understand. It was weird. And um, I got into such a state of panic because another one would come and it would say, please destroy the first invitation you got. Anyway, it was a big function for the Royal Academy and actors and everybody. So it was was a wonderful, wonderful night at Buckingham Palace. And uh, Steve McQueen came up to me and he said, uh, "I'm a great fan of yours. And uh, when I was a child, I was obsessed by widows, and um, I want to make a big movie of it." How exciting! And be- I-, I mean, it was beyond belief, really. Um, and off he went, and he made the big movie. Well, I know but for me, it was very, very exciting because I could bring out widow's book. Again. Widow's Revenge. Widow's the third one. She's out. And it's sold to 38
1: different countries. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, it's not unbelievable because you're a bloody good writer, my dear. And, that you know, I mean, but to have some a, a new young director, you know, give it a resurrection is amazing. Yeah. Where did they shoot the film? Uh, Chicago. Chicago. Did you go out? No. You didn't. I wasn't invited. Oh, you actually. I I have heard in the past that often directors don't like the writers around because they might interfere.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and he's also—he was also quite a hands-on man. Now, you know, he is a wonderfully talented man, but very. um...
1: Were you happy with the film? So-so. Okay. So you didn't write the screenplay. No. Did he? oh i see i gave a lot of notes but no there comes a
0: point which is really quite unbelievable but you know i didn't own widows why because it was bought by disney
1: oh i see disney owned it well it's the same i don't own all those old pictures of me of my face and my body. i don't own any of those I mean, they have to get my permission if they want it. Well, they should. They don't always, but they should. But it's amazing. It's my blooming face and I don't own it. <laughs> but, that, this is what, but that's
0: exactly what I feel. I think, well, that's my, my project. It's I don't your baby. It. I mean, writing
1: yeah. a book, it must be like giving birth.
0: But that's one of the biggest things I say now to everybody that I know involved in writing anything. Get a lawyer. Check your contract. Very good idea. Because there's those little lines at the ends of contracts that, whoops-a-daisy. Yeah. I mean, I even found one with my agent, my literary agent, at the bottom of the contract, which I don't even recall signing.
1: It just says, in perpetuity. And she's still making I know. money out of my books. I know, you have to get rid of him. In perpetuity has to go.
0: <laughs> oh.
1: But it's not, they don't use that word.
0: It's another word. And I was so shocked. Um, and there you go. When did I start? I mean, I was writing for 20 years before she came on board.
1: Amazing. I Amazing. know it's, it's it should all be looked at, actually. I want to take you back a bit because before you became this World famous writer, you were an actress, correct? Yes, sir, I was. And you were called Linda Mar. Is it pronounced Marshall? Yes, very proper. So do you went to RADA, didn't you? Like Lee? Yeah. I wonder were you there at the same time as Lee? Lee's my husband, by the way. People listening, I don't, I don't think I was because I don't remember him. I think you're the same, same ageish. I, mean, I was by
0: far too young to go. <laughs> um, I mean, I was sixteen just. My parents had no idea where I was going. Didn't they? My father. When I said to my father, I'm going to go to a place called RADA, he said, well, what is it, a pub? <laughs> <laughs> Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. He said, well, how did you get in? And I said, my elocution teacher put me up. You know, I travelled all the way from Liverpool to Gower Street, where the academy were all by myself.
1: Aww. And
0: my audition. You know, I'd never been, I think i have been to the theatre once. Oh, um, and at my audition, you had to take in three pieces. And one of my pieces was Joan of Arc. And, you know, they go, next, come in, please, stand on stage. And they said, now, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to do a piece of, about Joan of Arc. And she was a very young Frenchwoman who was burnt on the, yes, dear, we do know who Joan of Arc was. <laughs> <laughs> And so I am in white stiletto shoes and I've got a skirt, a really frilly skirt on, underskirt. And I said, do you mind if I take my shoes off? No. Could I take my underskirt off as well? <laughs> yes, I hope you're not going to take anything else off. Get on with it. <laughs> and so I got into rada And I was there with Ian McShane and John Hurt. It was an amazing
1: time. I bet it was amazing. Yeah. So how long did you actually act for? How many years? Oh, got about 18. Oh, gosh, that long. Did you write, while you were acting, did you write as a hobby? No. So how how did the switch happen? Uh, I got to a point
0: as an actress where... You know, every script I was sent, it had an awful lot of fingerprints all over it, you know. Oh,
1: okay.
0: I don't know why. I was always up against with uh, Felicity. Who set uh, actress in um, The Good Life? Uh, Felicity Kendall. Everything she turned down, they offered to me. I don't know why. At that point, I suddenly thought... You know, I'm getting tired of playing the same part over and over again that Felicity Kendall doesn't want. That's so funny. And I um, I just asked if I could write a storyline. And they said, oh, yeah, send one in.
1: And that's how it started. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly that. Absolutely. They were all turned down, though. And then I wrote a treatment and sent it in to Virgie Lambert
1: called Widows. Oh, so Widows was the first one. Wow. That's unbelievable, and that became. So, how long after Widows was Prime Suspect? Three years. Okay. And yeah. was Helen Mirren your choice?
0: Yes. Oh, she was so. You see, nowadays I'm sick of seeing the same, the same faces on TV. Yeah. And uh, I just get bored. They are, you know, you, you, you see somebody from Coronation Street one minute and then they're in a murder inquiry and then they're in a new series and you think there's an awful lot of actors unemployed. I, know, I agree. And uh, to use the same people over and over again. And even when I mentioned that I wanted Helen Mirren, because as an actress, I knew Helen Mirren was a great actor. Mm. And, you know, I still got, yes, but she hasn't done any TV, has she, really? Mm, I don't know. And eventually um, they agreed and watched her rock and roll. And I say, the, re- the
1: rest is history. Because <laughs> she, she was, I mean, it was a brilliant series and brilliantly written, And but she was fabulous in it, wasn't she? And, it, I mean, it, it actually turned her global in a way, didn't it? Yeah. Because Prime Stats Got your happy price, price line Well wow. Do you remember when you mentioned Steve McQueen, not the actor Steve McQueen? And I said, I'll tell you. So. Yeah. When I first went in 1967, I was, you know, I'd, I'd become known in England and I was summoned to America by American Vogue to do a big uh, fashion shoot with the wonderful Richard Avedon. But also my trip to America was filmed as a documentary, you know, because the Beatles had gone in in the early 60s. And so in 67, I was like part of the British invasion. <laughs> and I went into New York and they filmed my arrival. And then I went to L.A. and Sonny and Cher, you know, the, the singers, yeah, uh, gave me a party in L.A., And it it was all documented on this uh, film. And it was in their garden because we were in L.A., so it was gorgeous weather. And there were all these... And I was so... You know, I was 17 years old. I was really shy, really insecure. And there were all these amazing, famous people coming. And then suddenly there was this sound of a motorbike. And we all turned around and in drove Steve McQueen, the actor, who was... Do you remember, Linda? was... The hottest actor in Hollywood yeah, at the time, yeah. and I was introduced to him, and and he was really sweet, and I and he said, "Would you like to dance?" And I said, "Oh, no, thank you," and walked away because no. <laughs> I was so shy. And I thought I'm probably the only girl who ever turned Steve McQueen down for a dance. <laughs> but it was mad, it was madness. I mean, it was so.
0: But, but your career and lower life is just so spectacular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, my admiration for you is double, double, treble, fold. Oh, you because... are
1: sweet. Well, it, I didn't
0: plan it, as you know. <laughs> You know, you're, you, you don't change. You, you, you read about all these famous young models that are having difficulty with their fame and <laughs> they don't know what to do with their fame. <laughs> you know, since so I've had fame. And if you think your fame was so immense, so enormous, and there you were, exactly the same, hello. It didn't bother you. I mean, maybe you had some
1: magic... Uh, you know, I think, I don't know, yeah, I, well, thank you, and that's so sweet, but I think I was so young and so amazed, you know, because I hated what I looked like. I was this skinny kid. I had no boobs. I had skinny legs. I hated what I looked like. I was too small, too thin. I was happy. I mean, I had a nice mum and dad and sisters, but so when that happened to me, I thought everyone had gone mad. So, you know, it was like this can't really be happening, and, I, you know, and it was Listen, all I'd really done was been at home and gone to school. So suddenly when I was traveling the globe and meeting all these amazing people, it, you know, it was really good fun. It was a bit bonkers. And then I was lucky enough to meet, you know, the mad Ken Russell who cast me in, you know, The Boyfriend, my first film. Oh, it was incredible. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. saw
0: all the, oh, I don't care crap.
1: I was going to ask you, actually, have you got somebody in your life? Because usually there's somebody in your life that is a key person who either changed direction for you or could it be a teacher or, you know? For me, it probably was in reality
0: uh, uh, because I I wanted to do ballet. I mean, the fact that I was always far behind everybody else, (coughs) I'd never have made it, but I had... uh, an elocution teacher, uh, and her name was Dawn McCormick. <laughs> and um, I was one of the really naughtiest girls you've ever come across at school. You know, and, the, and my my n- real name is Titchmarsh. Oh, is it? Like Alan? Yeah, and I can remember the headmistress going, "Little Titchmarsh, if you go out of school without your hat one more time, you will be... A- and I was at this funny weird little school and uh, it was Citrinians I mean we didn't have a maths teacher one term because this this girl Yvonne Yates had altered the timetable for the teachers and 4A never had a maths teacher I mean we, it was outrageous we had one cookery lesson and blew up the kitchen that was it um, And the teachers were so eccentric. And it was run by these two old ladies, Violet and Daisy. And I was there when I was about four. And I was at the gates of this school with a bunch of pussy willows. And I can remember a teacher called Miss Asprey was waiting at the gates. And she said, I'm afraid Lillian must go home because... uh, Daisy has gone. And I said, well, when she comes back, will you give her these pussy willows? They'd carried her out in the coffin earlier that morning. And it was like this whole school was so eccentric. She died? She died, yes. But she didn't like to say she's passed on. She She just says, Miss Harvey, Daisy Harvey has gone. Has gone. Oh, when she comes back, will you give her the pussy willows? (laughs) But it was, you know, there was a hole in the drill hall, a massive hole in the wall in the drill hall. And it would be that every pupil caught going through the hole into the drill hall would be expelled, Use the door. (laughs) And it was insane, (laughs) insane why we weren't, and then lacrosse, we only had one game of lacrosse. That's so funny. Lacrosse is a game, a sports game. We do not use the crosses to beat the other team over the head. <laughs> that was it. It was, I read it. Anyway, into this madness of a school came Dawn McCormick, who had been an actress, and she had slightly bucked teeth and always had a little slither of lipstick across them. And I thought, oh, that's fantastic. I would like that. <laughs> with a bit of lipstick. And also she had very high pointed toes shoes and a slight bunion. I Even I thought, oh, I want to have feet like that. But she was, you know, she said, well, I find you all very tedious and very boring. Um, you can't read poetry. Um, so I suggest you all sit and just read whatever you want to read. And then suddenly... She started on literature. That was it. You know, caught my imagination. And uh, she was the one that said, I think you should go to the Royal Academy. Oh, right. I thought it was down the road. I don't know where it was. (laughs) All right. (laughs) She said, I will teach you. Do your auditions. All right. Okay. At no point had I actually ever said I have to be an actress. It was all Dawn McCormick's
1: fault. So Dawn McCormick is your person who changed your life. Yeah, without her, I'd never have gone to London. See, there's always somebody. Yeah. How are you coping, you know, with this lockdown? I mean, probably for you it's not so hard because you're used to being isolated when you write, aren't you? yeah.
0: But also, I mean, it's easier for me than for my son, who's only 16. And um, for him, I think he finds it very frustrating. But what's extraordinary is he keeps on coming up with things that I have to watch on the Netflix and things like that. And he's got me watching, there was an amazing film on about a lion. Oh,
1: yeah, Carly rang me yesterday and said, you've got to watch that, Mum. Is it wonderful? It's called Tiger King.
0: It's about all these people that own tigers. There's more people in the United States that have tiger pets than there are in the wild. Oh, that's bonkers. And then he'll come again, and then he got. He says, you have to watch Pandemic. Well, I mean, if you watch that, I encourage people to watch it because it is, it is astonishing. Very frightening, too. Very, very frightening. And so he's very good at... Keeping me sort of busy mentally. Yeah.
1: Are, are you a cook? Dreadful. Oh, so, he's a very good cook. I was going to so. ask you for a recipe that you've done that with, with all the no. stuff in your cupboards, but you don't. Who cooks?
0: Lorken, my myself. Oh, he's the cook. He's the cook. But I do. I have found a new obsession. What's that? And that's my fish pond. <laughs> And uh, I have this, uh, you know, I've got very nice fish. I have to say, I'm they're very, cocked. I'm very glad to hear it. They're koi, koi. Oh, they're gorgeous. And there's one koi, very fat, on its side. So I'm on the internet checking out this koi. Why is it floating sideways <laughs> and blown up like a balloon? Oh my god! And apparently, fish can get the bloat. <laughs> and also, the other problem with fish is. If they're spawning, some of them can't get rid of the eggs. So I'm now online on the Internet with the fish. (laughs) Well, what it could possibly be is they can't get rid of the eggs. What do you need to do? You scoop the fish up and press its belly to release the eggs. I said, oh, I don't think I could do that. (laughs) Well, pick the fish up. Yes, and hold it tightly between the both hands as well. I said, some of my fish are about a foot long. I say they're huge. Anyway, I'm out there with the net. And you know what my son says? Let it die in peace. (laughs) Honestly. He won't go near it.
1: That's so funny. Have you ever thought of doing stand-up, Linda? (laughs) You'd be brilliant. I did it once, you know. Did you? Where? Yeah.
0: I did it. um, I used to do it with Chris Biggins. Oh, did you? Brilliant. (laughs) Oh, I pay to see you and Chris Biggins do stand-up. That's brilliant. He used to sing, keep young and beautiful, if you want to be a fan, on a swing. It was the (laughs) campus, it was a club called the Country Cousins in Chelsea. And I used to do a drunken singer, those fairies, at the bottom of my garden. <laughs> well, not so very far away. <laughs> I mean, it was a hoot. I loved it. That's true. You know, a... This is what I mean. When I was an actress, I did everything from musicals to, I mean, one minute you're doing Because the odd thing is, you go away into repertory
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you're at Liverpool or Bristol or Birmingham or Manchester, you're playing Hedda Garbler one week, Desdemona the next week, and you're doing all the classics. You come to London to go up for a cornflake advert,
1: (laughs) and they say, well, what
0: have you done? Well, I I played Ophelia at... the. Oh, no, we didn't see that. Uh, Well, I was Hedda Garbler... Oh, no, we haven't seen that. So I, I used to, because I was always up for commercials... Money, yeah good They were the you know main stay of the income of an out of work actress, and so I used to say anything I felt like. They said, "What have you been doing recently?" i said well i 've been in New York doing um, Ophelia with a traveling company, and last week I was in Manchester doing um, Desdemona in Othello. Oh, I knew they 'd never seen anything, <laughs> um, but I did get quite a lot of work
1: <laughs> that 's brilliant. And you, you now, I know you got a CBE, didn't you, a few years back? Yeah. Who who gave it to you? Prince Charles. Oh, yeah, I got Prince Charles as well. Yeah. It's quite an amazing day, isn't it? What did you wear? Oh, a suit. A what? <laughs> I had a, a navy blue suit. A navy blue suit? Did you wear a hat? Yes, I did. Yeah, I did
0: too. I did. I wore a hat. But it's like uh, when you came out of it, because it was such a lengthy service. You're on your knees by the time you've got to get on them. <laughs> and it, uh, But it was such an honour, you know, uh, I mean, uh, such a great honour. Well, you must be very proud to be dean. Well, I, yeah, um,
1: yeah, I mean, it was it was a lovely day. I really enjoyed it. The nicest thing, I mean, my mum and dad aren't around anymore, sadly, because they'd have really loved it. But I did take, I mean, Lee came, my husband and my kids came, but I also took my elder sisters, and my oldest sister, Shirley, who's like a second mum to me because she's, like, 16 years older than me, she just cried through the whole thing. <laughs> so it was lovely. You know, I loved it for them as much as... But I was, I was. I was very moved and very touched, and Charles was lovely. And he said to me, it's about time you got this, and we're all very proud. And I said, oh, thank you, sir. And, um, yeah, it was. I, I was very moved, very moved. And I think they, I think Dame Twig sounds great. <laughs> Has anybody? Have you used it on anybody? Have you? Do you use it? Not really, not yet. <laughs> well, you can't ring up your friends and say it's Dame Twigs here, can you?
0: <laughs> no, uh, when you can't get something, a booking or something.
1: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, I mean if if we want to get into a you know, a place where you can't get a table. It's quite handy to drop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> drop it in. Drop it in. Drop it in.
0: <laughs> when I got mine, um I, I I was so amazed by it. And it's so beautiful. They are beautiful. Uh,
1: I dropped mine actually. I went to show it to the member of the press there and it fell out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> Well, is it? Is it? A, is it?
0: A, what is the Damehood then? Is it a thing with a ribbon? Yeah,
1: I get. I got two actually. You get a, a, a medal, a beautiful medal in you know metal and silver on a mine's a pink and blue ribbon, beautiful actually, and then you get a kind of star shaped silver brooch thing. With, oh wow it's gorgeous and that's the one that fell out I opened it to show the photographers because they're all standing outside and it toppled onto the floor I thought I, <laughs> I thought I was gonna have to go in and get another one but it was all right but uh, but it was a lovely day I really enjoyed it did anything what happened when you got yours have you got any well, no I I really missed it because um <laughs> I arrived there
0: And uh, there was such a long time going through the gates and getting the car parked and sorting yourself out. By the time I got to go up the steps, I thought, oh, I've got to go to the loo. (laughs) And so I scuttled off to the loo. And it was so long from the queue to go up to meet the, you know, to sit in the seats before you meet the royal who's ever giving out the medals. And the loo was fascinating. It was absolutely <laughs> beautiful. And I was so impressed with the loo. And I came out, and I was the only person there. And I thought, oh, my God, I don't know where to go now. And eventually, <laughs> one of these gentlemen came down and said, Miss LePlanche we're in the wrong area. Would you please follow me quickly? And I had to run up the stairs because I, I, they would have shut me out. Oh, so you I nearly was, didn't get it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> typical. You know, I'm very nearly at the. Um, when they were giving out the Emmys for Prime Suspect yeah. in LA, again, I was caught short. Now, what I didn't know was they put seat fillers in. So if you get up to go to the loo and you're any of these Emmy Awards, somebody just slides into your seat. So there's never an empty seat when the cameras move around. So off I go, and it's miles away. Come back, I don't know where I'm sitting. <laughs> I can't. I can't find my empty seat. I am absolutely, and I can hear an prime suspect, and a big cheer goes up. And I think, oh, I'm going to. By the time I got on the stage to join everybody else, I was, <laughs> 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 and they thought it was
1: nerves. It was just panic. That's hysterical, absolutely. Yeah. But you've had quite a few. You, you got the. Um... You've had loads of awards for so many things. I know. Got the crime thriller award, Hall of Fame in two thousand and nine. Yeah, you know, I'm very lucky because I've got a row of
0: BAFTAs. I know you have. uh, I can see them. People can't see them, but I can see them. I've got the Edgar Allan Poe Award, and it's you know. So I, I find some people that go, oh, you know, another award. Well, where do you put it in the toilet? I don't. I put mine all on display right. because I'm so proud of every single one of them. Yeah. You know, and they all mean so much. And for people to be dismissive about it. I agree. And I, was re- I was recently asked, is the one thing that you really would like to have? You know, one thing. And secretly... I thought when the movie Widows, if that is a huge hit, I could be on the Oscar carpet. And I had a fantasy for quite a while of the red carpet in Valentino. <laughs> course, How
1: would you,
0: would you oh, you'd have looked divine. Oh, I'd have done such a job on myself. <laughs>
1: I maybe there'll be another one. You never
0: know. You, you never, never knew. know.
1: You never know. You do not know
0: what's around the corner. That's true.
1: I mean, look, I mean, your life has taken different avenues. My life certainly has. You know, I, I, I didn't plan to model and I certainly didn't plan to do films or go on the stage or sing and dance and, you know, and... Do design. So, I mean, you know, I think the thing that to give people out there, although we can't do it at the moment because of, you know, what's going on with this horrible virus, is that when you are given opportunities, you know, you should really go for them. I think. I think also, you know, this
0: time in our lives is very, very important to actually the family, which is, um, forced to be together probably longer than they have ever been together i think it's an amazing learning curve and everyone bar a very few people are very aware of how fortunate we are to still be alive absolutely and that is caring for each other Mm -hmm. and uh it's a it's it's a very emotional time for me one of the biggest things in this awful time is that they're numbers, not faces. I know. So every day, every day, there's another number. And, uh, you know, you go 500, 800. I want the faces up.
1: I agree. I think
0: the faces of those that have been lost yeah. uh, will make it even more poignant because a number doesn't. You know, Because I'm one of those people, up. Oh, Right, we're eight hundred today, and it's like I get oh no, don't want to know, but I do want to know. I want to know their faces. Yeah, I, I want agree to with you. Be able to say oh look, look at those souls that have gone, and aren't we lucky to still be here? And
1: aren't we lucky to have these amazing nurses and doctors at the NHS? Oh, I they're, mean, they're to me, adults. they are so brave and they are so. I mean, they—they they take my breath away, actually, and I actually think they all should be given a huge rise immediately. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they've always been paid underpaid. Bless them. Yeah. And now you've got—I <clears throat> saw a program the other day. You know, you've got these kids coming out of um, um, medical school, and they're all going to join the front line. They, yeah. I mean, they're so brave. My son is making
0: um, protective masks for the hospital. That's brilliant. He has a 3D printer. Oh, wow. And he's wor- working 24-7 to get these masks out. They're the masks that clip on and then they have a yeah, visor. Yeah, Oh, how, how clever of him. Yeah, and he's working with two people in Oxford. And he's working literally 24-7 on them. Absolutely uh,
1: brilliant. Well done, here. Yeah, I'm so proud of him. You yeah, should yeah, be. Yeah. God, I haven't yeah. seen him since he was about eight. <laughs> he was a little boy. When we came to your house on Long Island, do you remember? Yeah. That yeah. was a lovely summer. I sold that house. Yeah, you said the other day you sold
0: it, but it was a beautiful place. And what's nice... I was able to give all the contents to the homeless.
1: Oh, that's a brilliant thing to do. The NYPD
0: Blues Police—they all came in, and trucks, oh. loads of trucks. I think some of the items, as I overheard a few times, that'll look good in your bedroom. So, I think <laughs> a few items, a few items didn't get
1: to charity. <No>. You were at the Sag Harbor Theatre, weren't you? I was. We did. I did a couple of plays. That that was such a. That's such. It well not was. It is a lovely theatre. It's um on for the listeners. It's on um, Long Island in Sag Harbor, and yeah. it's called the Bay Street Theatre. And I did a production of *Blithe Spirit* there. I played Elvira. Yeah, and I'm then right, I, I did Noel and Gertie, a, a, the – Well, we called it "If Love Were All," but it was about Noel Coward and Gertrude Lawrence. Like they, Gertrude, singing and dancing.
0: Do you feel? Do you feel that because of your fame in one area, that it holds back you getting? Because you're such a good actress, thank you. That you would like to play more serious
1: roles? Oh, absolutely! Definitely in this country. I, I think they were more open to me acting and singing and dancing in America. Yeah. But over here, you know, I think that I'm always looked upon as Twiggy the model. And um, and really, I only did that for four years. I stopped modelling in 1970. Well, I've got to write you a part. Yeah, right. Let's do it. A killer. I'll make Killer Eve. Another one. <laughs> oh, let's do it. I'd love it. That's brilliant. Yeah, but... I'm going to seriously look for a great part. Oh thank you I would really appreciate that but you are right that it does I think people whoever they are you know directors producers uh, casting people they just probably think I'm too famous in another world but you know I don't know but you know I've been given chances more in America I did you know my one and only on Broadway and Didn't you win a a Tony? No, I won. I was nominated for a Tony for my one and only, but I did win two Golden Globes for The Boyfriend. That's right. Which I've got on my mantel shelf, like you. I'm very proud of them. (laughs) Yeah. And it is. You're such a good actor. Oh, thank you. Well, you you write it and I'll do it. (laughs) Deliver it by post. Oh, thank you very much. Well, listen. The last time I saw you, you came to my birthday. I had a big birthday party, didn't I, last last year for me big one. And that was lovely. So when this is all over, we, we can meet up and, and have a proper dinner. Yes. And you, you can have your gin and tonic and I'll have a nice glass of rose. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been so much fun talking to you. Thank you. And I wish you well. Stay safe. And I love you lots. And I'll talk to you soon. OK, you take care. Bye, goodbye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed my chat with the wonderful Linda Leplant. And don't forget to get a copy of her new novel, Buried, which you can get online at Amazon. I'm going to start mine next week. I can't wait. Please join me next week when I'll have another new guest to take tea with. If you've enjoyed listening to Tea with Twiggy, please take a moment to give us a lovely five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people to find the show. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast so you auto-magically get the next episodes for free. And do tell all your friends and family about it too. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy, Or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. a stripped media production.